All right. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. My name is Matt Hines. We are here every Thursday live at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. Uh, thank you for joining us. For those of you who are joining us on LinkedIn Live, we have adjusted our format. Used to just do this audio only, but why not add a little video component since we're on Zoom all days anyway? Let's just do it as a video. So for those of you watching on LinkedIn Live, thank you so much for joining us. If you are live, you have an opportunity to ask questions of our guests today, uh, and we'll throw those in today as well. If you're watching on demand or listening to this in audio only format on the podcast, thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you for listening. And if you like our format today, if you like our content, this is what we do. We talk to best some of the leaders in B2B sales and marketing every day or every week, excuse me. And um, we have all of our past episodes available on demand at salespipelineradio.com. Very excited to have our guest today, Kelly Hippler. She's the chief sales officer for Forrester. And I want to be able to, I want to get into the Diversity Inclusion Council eventually as well, Kelly. But first of all, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for being part of the show. Thank you, Matt. It's an honor to be here. So thank you so much for the invitation. So as we record this, you know, we're coming up at the end of May and the beginning of this month uh, was the uh, Forrester B2B Summit, um, which, uh, you know, in the is, is a is a new version of what was always known as the Serious Decisions um, Summit and, you know, was has always been sort of at the top of the B2B calendar for those that are interested in the latest and greatest trends in B2B, especially enterprise marketing. Um, and this year was no different. Great content, great sessions. Thought you guys did a great job sort of continuing to build and foster community among the group as well. So would love to sort of hear from you sort of how you guys think things went and what some of the highlights were from the event uh, earlier this month. Sure. No, and thank you for that. And I think our research team and events team just did an amazing job um, with that event and bringing that community together. Because when we think about um, the serious decisions acquisition and, and why that was so critical for Forrester, you know, the whole concept of aligning sales, product, and marketing is just you know so important for businesses to be able to accelerate growth and drive profitability as they move forward. And I think that these events are a great opportunity to really showcase this and for teams to be able to come together um, and do that work. And so for us, it sort of serves a dual purpose. Obviously, we're there to help bring new thoughts and concepts to our clients. But I can also tell you, my teams and my my colleagues and peers are also eagerly sort of writing things down. And it helps to shape our own internal strategy and processes as we go forward. And over the last couple of years, um, in this role, I have benefited greatly from being able to use a lot of the different frameworks um, that Serious Decisions, formerly now under Forrester, um, can bring to our clients to help with that alignment. Well, and this is going to continue. You guys announced sort of formally Forrester decisions moving forward. And one of the things I've always enjoyed about the serious decisions models is a couple things. One, this is not just theoretical. Like these are models, but you do a great job in the event in particular of showcasing how it's being put into practice by companies. Um, and I think also like, the, you know, they're built for sort of complex sales and marketing situations. But the models themselves, I don't know if you guys do this intentionally, but if you're a smaller business with less resources, with smaller budgets, you can deconstruct some of these models and use the essence of them to build your foundation and then add other components as you grow. So I would expect that you see that in the in the different range of sizes and phases, stages of companies that Forrester works with. Absolutely. I mean, I think regardless of a company's size, a lot of the principles, whether it's you know how you think about your sales organization, and we talked a lot about the future of sales and the future of buying, um, a lot of those same elements come into play 
versus, you know, could be a, a billion dollar plus company, because I think a lot of the same principles do apply. It does just to your point, become a matter of scale, but the frameworks themselves. I mean, if you think about a sales organization, regardless of the size, time is your most critical um, element and the most valuable resource that you have. So thinking about how you deploy those resources, where they're spending their time and how you better maximize the time of your sellers is a universal um, issue that all of our um, you know, clients and ourselves are, are constantly looking at. And you can use the serious um, frameworks around, we use the sales activity study as a way to benchmark how and where sellers are spending their time pinpointing places where we're maybe spending a little more time on non-direct selling activities than we would like. But it's also a great way to then go back to your business partners and get that partnership and buy-in when you can quantify, hey, we're spending X amount of time building decks. You know, How can we do some things to lighten the sales load? Or last year in particular, a lot of time in internal meetings. So we're like, okay, <laughs> we understand everybody's at home and we wanna keep people connected, but we have to give our sellers some time back. Um, so what's great is it really allows you to have a conversation by the numbers and about the numbers um, right. to help move your peers along and, and to help drive that alignment. There's been a lot that I think has changed in the way people manage sales and marketing, the way that buyers are buying um, over the last year. I think some of the things that have accelerated the most aren't necessarily inventions uh, from the pandemic. There are things that were happening gradually and then maybe happened a little more quickly and sort of accelerated over the last sort of 12, 14 months. Um, I think, you know, what most people, may, some people may not realize, especially maybe people newer to B2B marketing, B2B sales and marketing, when we think about things like the demand waterfall, even things as simple as the MQL and SQL, I mean, those did not exist before serious decisions <laughs> kind of put a name on them. I mean, you think about the marketing qualified lead, it's a common noun in B2B, mm -hmm. but that was a serious decisions invention. And so, you know, as we have evolved sort of complex buying and selling, the model has evolved as well. So can you talk a little bit about how the demand waterfall has really sort of taken on the account-based complexity of sales and marketing today and what additional components were really key to some of the updates uh, put into the demand waterfall this year at Summit? Absolutely. And I do think that was one of the, the key highlights this year was the rolling out of the new B2B revenue waterfall. And to your point, Matt, I think it really does reflect just some fundamental changes in how people are buying moving forward and how B2B selling needs to change when, um, when your clients are changing. And what I also think it really marks is um, that bringing together of sales and marketing where it's not the case where Marketing fills the top end of the funnel and sales takes it and runs with it from there. I think, you know, marketing and sales need to partner together at every step in the customer journey moving forward. And for me, it's that alignment throughout the customer life cycle that really comes to light with the new model that we have. And so part of what I love about it is, you know, as a sales leader, I'm not just thinking about client acquisition. It's obviously important, mm -hmm. but we have more opportunity through driving retention and then thinking about how do we do upsell and cross sell within mm -hmm. our existing accounts. And um, that was part of the reason I was so excited when I saw the revenue waterfall, because it looks at the cascade across those four dimensions, which are the four things that, you know, a sales leader is thinking about as you're doing your territory design and figuring out how you're going to get to plan. Um, but then to be able to track in a measurable way what your conversion rates are across each of those different dimensions um, is going to really help with resource allocation, alignment, and being more thoughtful both on the sales and marketing side moving forward, but also acknowledging that marketing has a role to play at each stage in the customer journey 
And we want to make sure that we're, you know, fully aligned both internally, but also encouraging our clients um, to do the same thing um, as well. And I think for me, you know, just seeing that cross-sell and upsell broken out separately, as well as the renewals, um, was really a home run and something that we're already talking about internally. How are we going to measure and track it on our own end as well? Yeah. Now, this evolution of the role of marketing and the marketing leader has been kind of exciting to see over the last several years. You know, we've gone from sort of, you know, marketing existing and operating kind of in a vacuum, thinking about that just as the demand waterfall, saying marketing kind of just owns the top of the funnel to thinking about sales and marketing working together in an account based environment, but also just making sure that there is a coordinated, cohesive approach to the pipeline. Um, and now for, for those organizations to think not just about acquisition, but the overall lifetime value. To think about this is a, not a demand waterfall, but a revenue waterfall, right? Um, this really is is sort of naturally elevating sales and marketing leaders to business leaders. Okay. Talk a little bit about that evolution. And is that, do we see that as a mandate? Is that becoming table stakes for sales and marketing leaders? And for those that may feel more like parts of the puzzle and all, oh, I got my CEO, CFO are kind of running the table at the leadership team meetings. How does this greater opportunity allow your CMOs and your CROs to become more active business leaders for themselves in their careers, but also to help their organizations? Yes, I think that's a great question. And what's interesting when we um, talk about the future of sales, one of the five P's that we talk about is profitability. And we definitely see a trend with more and more CSOs, CROs, um, really taking a look through that lens of not just how do I deliver on the overall bookings and revenue target that the company has, but how do I do it in a way that best optimizes the resource that we have? Um, so it really is putting a pivot around that. And um, one of the measures that we use um, is the LTV to CAC, so the lifetime value versus client acquisition cost ratio. Um, again, another another great asset that we um, that we leverage from our research, um, which sort of touts that organizations should be striving for a three to one lifetime value versus cost of acquisition. And I can tell you, for me personally, as we headed into the pandemic and thinking about where do I potentially shift some resources to? Because there were some places where the market was soft, knowing where our most profitable clients are, we actually redeployed some of our resources to help shore up our business um, mm -hmm. during that time frame. And I do think that sales and marketing leaders really do have an opportunity to focus on both sides of the equation, not just the booking side moving forward. Um, and I think that they will become better stewards of the overall business in doing so, and probably find a lot more satisfaction in the work that they're doing as well. So I think that's definitely something that's become um, increasingly part of the work. And it's also why it is important for the CMO and your CSO to be so well aligned. So Shirley Macbeth and I here at Forrester, you know, she and her leaders join my staff meeting every other week because we want to make sure that A, there's full visibility, that the team members, you know, that we've got a good relationship um, and that we're all aligned and working towards the same goals. Um, her team has a target based on our bookings target. So I think that was also um, a big and momentous step forward for us internally at Forrester to have a CMO come in and say, you know, we're signing up for this number and we're going to help create that pipeline um, that's going to help to get you there, which I think really helped to drive the collaboration and the trust across um, the, the two parts of the organization. And I'm just very grateful for that. 
Well, I love to hear that you guys are sort of drinking your own champagne on that front, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, this, you know, at the same time that you are sort of bringing, you know, through your analysts, some of these best practices and new ideas, you know, to the market that, you know, you're marketing and selling as well. And so we will leverage some of those same things internally. Talk of the day on Sales Pipeline Radio with Kelly Hibbler. She's the Chief Sales Officer at Forrester. And at the conference a couple of weeks ago, can't believe it's already almost June here as we record this. Uh, and that was the that was the first week of May. It was it feels like it was yesterday. Um, you guys sort of formally announced former Forrester Decisions, uh, which is sort of the sort of the co-branded, you know, sort of what used to be Serious Decisions is now part of Forrester. It seems to me that there really is sort of a one plus one equals three situation here, right? In terms of sort of taking what has always been sort of some of the sort of the foremost thinking research uh, frameworks in B two B and combining that with Forrester. For people that are familiar with Serious Decisions, as well as people that may sort of have not been as familiar. Talk a little bit about how you think about Forrester decisions and how that will continue to play a leadership role in the market for years to come. Absolutely. And um, we are very excited about the Forrester Decisions launch. Um, actually, today wrapped up uh, a number of workshops with our sales teams who are very anxious to get out there and talk to our clients about this new offering. And I think, you know, when I think historically about Forrester's strength, right, a lot of it has been around um, providing vision and insight into what is going on, you know, externally in the markets and giving our clients guidance there. And then to the points that you've made, Matt, you know, serious decisions went very deep from a functional perspective. And what we're doing is merging those two things. So every one of our clients will still get that vision research as we go forward, because we know the key thing that we bring to clients is that ability to align across their organization. Because in order to drive customer obsession, you need all parts of the organization to line up behind what your clients are looking for. So we do wanna make sure that we're exposing everybody who comes into contact with our relationship with that thought leadership, Mm -hmm. but then have the ability based on the priorities that that individual has to go much more deeper into our frameworks, to do guidance sessions with the thought leaders who created those IPs to help them as they make meaningful impact in their business. So it truly is bringing the best of both worlds together. And uh, it was no simple task. Our product team has done an outstanding job working with our our research team because about a year ago when these conversations started, we were sort of like, okay, we've got Forrester, which is a largely horizontal product that goes like this. And Serious Decisions is a vertical product. And it was like, but we got to get them into one. So how do we get these two things into one? And I think that the solution that the product team has come up with is elegant and is going to drive meaningful impact um, for our clients because they literally will get the best of both products as we go forward, plus new IP um, and a much deeper engagement model on top of an enhanced uh, digital experience that's going to help to um, escort them through their priorities. And um, from there, we'll be able to measure the impact that we're helping them to drive within their businesses. So yes, our team is extremely excited. I mean, I've been at Forrester for 22 years, and I think this is the most significant product launch that we've had um, in my history here. So very much looking forward to seeing the product launch in Q3. I love hearing that. And I think, uh, you know, as the as sales and marketing continues to increase in complexity, you know, as on both sides, right? I think, you know, you could, we've argued forever, hey, the buyers are changing, it's getting longer and more complex, more members of the buying committee. I mean, I, I think you add exponential uh, complexity when the sellers have changed, right? When mm-hmm. the culture of how sales teams work has changed. Not only do you have marketing and sales working more closely together, but it is very material to say that those are now happening in a remote, if not hybrid model. So seeing people in the hallway saying, oh, go sit and listen to your sales team make calls. You may be not be able to do that anymore, right? Because yep. you literally are sitting somewhere totally separate. So 
getting guidance on that ongoing complexity and sort of hearing sort of what your peers are doing sort of really critical. I do want to shift gears a little bit before we run out of time um, and talk a little bit about the Forester Diversity Inclu Inclusivity Council, if you don't mind. So you're the executive sponsor for this group. You know, we're coming up on June. We've got Pride Month coming up. There's an awful lot of logos that are going to be rainbows in a little bit. <laughs> and a really good friend of mine, uh, Katie Martell, um, she talks, she, she literally has a bunch of content around this idea of rainbow pandering, right? That a lot of companies say, we're going to support Pride Month by turning our logo diff a different color, and that's kind of all we do, right? So when I mm -hmm. see companies that are putting together and investing in diversity inclusion councils and helping them think through what that looks like, it means that you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're putting more focus and attention in doing that. Would love to hear a little bit about why that's important to Forrester and what are some of the things you guys are doing sort of internally and externally with that? Sure, absolutely. And so our diversity and inclusion council was stood up a little over a year ago and um, very proud to be one of the executive sponsors along with Sherry Cotman, who's our chief people officer. And essentially uh, we do an annual um, employee a pulse check sort of survey and um, we had sort of seen for two years running that one of the areas that we personally were scoring the lowest in um, was around diversity and inclusion. So definitely seeing that there was some need within our employee base that we weren't addressing. And um, with our focus on customer experience and, and knowing from our own research that your a good employee experience drives good customer experience, really wanted to start to dig in and figure out how and what we could do to help create a more inclusive environment at Forrester. So what was great was um, Sherry was able to pull together a lot of the employees that had approached her and had a lot of passion around this. And we were able to stand up a diversity inclusion council. Um, the team put together a charter and we sort of have three pillars that we work on. So focusing on the inclusivity of our environment and really wanting people to be able to bring their full and authentic selves to work. And you know, for myself, as Forrester's first female um, chief sales officer, the thought to me that other folks didn't feel as though for some reason that there were barriers that they couldn't be their full authentic selves, um, you know, really broke my heart a little bit because that's not what we want to be about. And that's not, I came to Forrester because um, as a woman, I was able to progress and to see that there were groups within the organization that weren't having that same experience and being a member of the executive team really wanted to dig in and see what I could do to help there. So I do think these efforts and I have learned a ton this past year. I, you know, you could have filled in a thimble what I truly understood um, about this before starting to do this work and, and definitely encourage others to, um, you know, there's so many resources now to be able to learn and understand um, how we can be better leaders. And I think for leaders, a lot of this is about being vulnerable and not showing up thinking you have to provide or expected to know the answers, but just coming and listening to your employees. Um, so we started with the inclusivity. We're also working on the diversity of our hiring and our talent acquisition efforts. Um, and then also um, we've had several workshops across our executive team using some of our own frameworks to figure out what is the voice we want to have out in the marketplace. And I think because of the research that we do, diversity of thought is so critical to being able to bring the best insights to our clients. So also where we landed was that this was a space that we knew we needed both for our employees, but also for the value of our research 
to invest more time and build out a roadmap so that we could do better and deliver more for both our employees and our clients. And it's been so rewarding to see in the past year, the progress that we've made, but still very much a long road ahead. But I'm so proud of the efforts that we've done. We've, uh, we have employee networks where folks can come and you know, for Pride Month, yes, we will have banners, but we also will have uh, weekly programming throughout the month. Um, to help celebrate and acknowledge, um, you know, Pride Month and, and wanting to further educate um, the rest of our employee base there. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that was very important to us was that we embrace this in a way that is authentic to Forrester and our brand um, as we go forward. I love that. Well, thank thank you so much for sharing all that. I think, you know, look, we all live in glass houses. And I think, you know, the, the this road is very much a journey, not a destination. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important, you know, every, every you know, the, the more conversations I have to say, like, you know, what can I do? What can we do? What should we be doing is ask questions, continue to learn, be open to new perspectives, like find your blind spots and just, you know, try to be better. Right. And sort of that Absolutely. alone, I think, is is helping a lot of individuals as well as companies sort of like make the right move. So uh, thank you for your involvement in that. And thanks for, for sharing a lot of that. Um, if, if people want to learn more about um, Forrester decisions and sort of some of the new opportunities, like where's the best place for people to, to look and check out? Um, they can certainly go to our website at Forrester.com and we have lots of information on a landing page there about Forrester Decisions. Um, folks are also welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn and, and I'll get them connected to whatever resources um, to help answer any questions that they have. Awesome. Well, Kelly Hippler, Chief Sales Officer for Forrester and Executive Sponsor of the Diversity and Inclusion Council. Thank you for sharing a little bit about all of the above. And thanks for joining us today on Sales Pipeline Radio. Thank you, Matt. Really appreciated the conversation. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We will be here again next week and every week, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern, LinkedIn Live, as well as available wherever you get fine podcasts on salespipelineradio.com. Uh, on behalf of my guest, I'm Matt Hines. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Matt.